Lord, I do thank you again for this time tonight, Father, and I do thank you for your word that we have it in our generation to see what happened in the past and to see how it relates to us today. It's just so amazing to me that you just reveal things to us through your word. And I do pray that as we have this time together that the Holy Spirit will be speaking to every heart in this room and everyone that's listening online. God, I pray that you would open eyes to see, open ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us during this time. I'm just asking you to do what I cannot do in the natural, and I trust you, Jesus. I trust your Holy Spirit. I trust your word because it's alive. You're alive. Your spirit's alive, and I trust you to do what only you can do inside of us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So when you look at Genesis 10, Genesis 10 is known as the Table of Nations. And in Genesis 10, we have an overview of what happened after the flood. When you start reading through Genesis 11, it goes into more detail of why and how the nations were divided according to their languages and why God had to do this. So in Genesis 10 verse 1, talks about the genealogy of Noah, okay? And Noah, we know, had three sons, right? Shem, Ham, and Jephthah. And there's a list throughout that chapter that talks about all the sons that were born and daughters that were born after, through each one of those lines. And what's interesting is that last verse in Genesis 10.32, it says, it mentions the families of the sons of Noah according to their generations in their nation, and from these, the nations were divided on the earth after the flood. So when you look at the genealogy there, what you find is Noah's son Ham had a son called Cush. And from Cush came Nimrod. And we're going to talk about Nimrod tonight and the Tower of Babel and tie it into current events and future events. So there's a lot. I mean, this is like packed with a lot of stuff in there. So Nimrod was the great-grandson of Noah, just to give you some kind of, um, you know, we're all into family, so he was the great-grandson of Noah, Nimrod. Nimrod's name means to rebel. So he was a rebel. And he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. We read that in Genesis 10, but we also read it in Micah 5 or 6. Nimrod was the first to establish kingdoms which happened in two stages. The first kingdom is in Shinir, which included Babel, or Babel, as Hebrews call it, Babel. The second kingdom was Assyria. And in Assyria was the city of Nineveh, which was Babylon. Okay? So we have Babel, right? Which was in Shinnah. And Nineveh. And the capital of Nineveh is Babylon. So Nimrod is known as the father of the occult and witchcraft. Okay? 
Nimrod was a wicked ruler and made the whole world rebel through the building of the Tower of Babel. Think about this. Because we just studied the global flood that came and how God brought Noah and his family through that. And when they came out of the ark, God told them to be fruitful and fill the land. And this is what happened. So you start seeing there's a problem here. It's the human heart. It's the human heart. This is interesting. This is from Josephus, who was a historian and, and Flavus. Nimrod gradually changed the government into tyranny, seeing no other way of turning men from the fear of God but to bring them into constant dependence on his power. Someone here said, sounds familiar. Doesn't it sound familiar? And what you'll see in Genesis 11 verses 1 through 9, I'll read this passage to you. It says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar and they said come let us build a, ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in heavens the heavens let us make a name for ourselves lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth let us notice that let us Sound familiar? Let us. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one and they all have one language. And this is what they will begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come. Let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us go down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. So you notice the contrast. Man is saying, let us, and God is saying, let us. Whose side do you want to be on? Whose side do you want to be on? God's side. The Tower of Babel was an attempt for mankind to have their own way apart from God. It was a post-flood rebellion, a post-flood rebellion against God by Noah's descendants. Wow. 
Instead, Noah's descendants attempted to settle down in one location and establish a world state in rebellion against the divine rule. Do you see any similarities? In one moment, a massive, highly complex building project involving the entire human race came to an end. Because God intervened before the construction project was complete. I think we need him to intervene once again. Yeah. He might. He might not. We don't know. We don't know. Do you know what the Tower of Babel looked like inside? The top compartment of the Tower of Babel represented heaven. The inner walls, in all probability, were decorated with blue glaze tiled with the sun, the moon, and the five known planets, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. And it lined up all along the plane of the zodiac. In the center of the room would be their God's seat upon the throne. Talking about evil and wicked. And the reason why they were trying to make it as high up into heaven, because I've read some articles written by answers in Genesis, but also in commentaries. In their mind, they were thinking if God destroys the world with another flood, let's build this so high that it can't reach us. Nebuchadnezzar also rebuilt such a tower in Babylon, which the Sumerians had called if I'm saying it right. The building of the foundation platform of heaven and earth, that's what it was called. The pyramids of Egypt and much later, the great Mayan temples of Central America reflected the design of the original Tower of Babel. So what you see is, in every generation, it just seems like mankind comes together and let's be like God, let's rebel against God. We can, we can be like God. And again, we see it today. Genesis 11.4 said, Mankind had said, let us build a tower for ourselves whose top will reach into heaven and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. And it's really, this is really a picture of human pride and arrogance. We can't be like God. We were singing tonight about who God is. Only he deserves that rightful worship. I, it's not even human words to describe who he is and what he deserves from us. And here we have man wanting to be like God, joining forces together. God stepped in. Thank God he stepped in 
to prevent the human race from falling under the single sway of an absolute tyrant over all the earth back then. That's who Nimrod was. That's who he was. He's a tyrant. And we've seen throughout history, other tyrants have raised up Alexander the Great, King Nebuchadnezzar. There's been others. Hitler tried, but God intervened. We see it. But look at how evil this mindset and the spirit is and where it's coming from. Isaiah 14, verses 12 through, first, 12 through 14, reverse to Satan. He said, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high. And the Lord spoke this about Satan in Ezekiel 28, 14, verse 17. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established or created you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity or sin was found in you. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor, and I cast you to the ground. And Jesus said in Luke 10, 18 and 19, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And behold, I give you the authority, he told his disciples, to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. And if you remember in Luke 4, when Jesus was led into the wilderness, the devil, taking him up on the high mountains, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So we see there's been a spiritual battle going on since the very beginning between who God is and Jesus, his Messiah, and Satan and his Antichrist. Leaders that rise up, that want nothing to do with God, nothing to do with his ways. Antichrist. Spirit of Antichrist has been since the very beginning. Since the very beginning. I was just curious, I know some of you do know this person, but how many here know who Klaus Schwab is? I am not saying he's the Antichrist, but I want you to listen well, okay? Listen to this. He's the executive chairman of the World Economic Forum. And the wealthiest people, the global elites from around the world, 
attend this conference in Tivo, Switzerland, which they have often. And he co-authored a book with this gentleman, Thoroughly Malarit, and it was called COVID-19, The Great Reset. Now, The Great Reset is talked about everywhere now, on the mainstream media, everywhere. It's not a conspiracy theory anymore. It's in our face, and the world is working towards that right now. But listen to the description of this book that he co-authored. COVID-19, The Great Reset, is a guide for anyone who wants to understand how COVID-19 disrupted our social and economic systems and what changes will need to be created to be a more inclusive, resilient, and sustainable world going forward. Carl Schwab, founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, and this gentleman, the founder of the Monthly Barometers, explore what the root causes of these crises were and why they lead to a need for a great reset. Theirs is a worrying yet hopeful analysis. COVID-19 has created a great disruptive reset of our global social, economic, and political systems. But the power of human beings lies in being foresighted and having the ingenuity, at least to a certain extent, to take their destiny into their hands and to plan for a better future. Build back better. This is the purpose of this book. This is what you will find on the internet. It's not hidden anymore, but yet they censor us if we talk about it. Christians talk about it are censored. And one day we'll be thrown in prison because we're exposing the evil in the darkness. But this is online where you can find it. So it's saying to take their destiny into their hands and to plan for a better future, this is the purpose of this book. To shake up and to show the deficiencies which were manifested in our global system even before COVID broke out. <sighs> he desires, Klaus Schwab's and many of the lead global leaders, there's many global leaders now, that are ruining countries that went to his school and they have this mindset. They have this mindset. And their desire is to usher in the fourth industrial revolution, which is human enhancement, better known as transhumanism or AI technology which is artificial intelligence mixing man with machine. This is not conspiracy, it's in your face. Now they're talking about it, and in fact, Elon Musk is very concerned about this. Here we have a man that's not even Christian saying red flags, red flags, red flags. There's a few people 
that are not Christian that are known in the media saying red flags. What does this remind you of? Remember who Nimrod was. Remember the Tower of Babel. What do we see unfolding right before our eyes? We can't put our head in the sand. This is happening before us. And it's happening like this, ladies. And I want these young girls to hear this because it may not happen in our time. God may have mercy and say, oh, not yet. Like in other generations. However, everything is in place right now. But I want them to remember when it does happen, I heard about this. The younger ones, I heard about this. This really is the precursor for the Antichrist. It's right before us. It's amazing to me. So now I want to read Revelation 13, and I'm not saying this is that, but eventually this will be that. I will say that. I'm not saying this is that, but eventually this will be that. Because eventually God's going to say, yeah. But you have to remember, who do we just sing about tonight? He's on the throne. He's allowing it. Because God has his own reset. And we're going to look at that at the end. What's his reset? See, Satan has his reset. Man has his reset. But God has his. And again, whose side do you want to be on when the reset happens? So Revelation 13. Then I stood on the sand of the sea. And this is the Apostle John who was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony that he stood for on the island of Patmos. And I heard recently that on the island of Patmos, they had mostly people there that were deranged in their mind. And here's John, the apostle. And God gave him a revelation. And this was the revelation. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. Having seven heads and ten horns, this is just talking about kingdoms, nations, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his head a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth was like a mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. Notice, all the world, the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshiped the dragon who said, who gave authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast and who is able to make war with him? What a mockery, because we say, who is like the lamb? Who is like the lamb? This is the world saying this. And he was given a mouth, speaking great things. 
blasphemies and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell there. Now notice, it was granted to him. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. And all who dwelt on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life, the book of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the earth. Those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life are going to follow this kind of nimrod, this world leader, no discernment. This is going to happen. This is not a fairy tale. This is going to happen. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. And here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs, which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast, whose wound, who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Reminds me of Daniel Shadrach Abednego, right? Shadrach Abednego in Babylon, who will bow down and worship the image of another beast, Antichrist. And they said, "You could throw us into the pit. You could throw us into the fire. We're not going to bow down. If God wants to deliver us, He'll deliver us. But if He doesn't," Do you have that in your heart? I'm not saying we'll be here for this, but what if we are here for this? No man knows the day and the hour Jesus is coming. He is coming. But we don't know when he's coming. And how much will he allow us to experience some of the scriptures that we read about what the last days are going to be like. But I know one thing, we're seeing everything now in place unfolding before us and it truly is a precursor to what's coming. It's almost like a foreshadow. What I'm seeing is like a foreshadow of what's coming. And who's to say it's not going to happen tomorrow? 
especially listen to this. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. 666 is just the number of a man, a system. A system that is being put in place where you won't be able to buy or sell unless you're a part of the system, the global system. The global system. We wonder why our stock markets are going like this. Why inflation is just off the charts. There's an agenda going on here. We have to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might so we can stand in the day of evil. Again, I don't know what we're going to experience, what we're going to go through, but do you see what's happening? Do you see what's happening? Do you see the similarities? Nimrod, Tower of Babel, mankind, we will, we will, we will, and God is watching all this. And he's laughing. He's laughing. You know how I know that? Because Psalm 2, this is God's reset. Why do the nations rage? And the people plot a vain thing. It's vain what they're doing. The kings of the earth set themselves together, and the rulers take counsel together. Again, we're seeing this. Against the Lord, this is the real issue. It's against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break away their bonds and pieces and cast them away from us. Again, we see that mindset. We don't want God ruling over us. We want to be our own God. We want to call the shots. We want to be in control. We don't want to submit to God's word. We don't want his authority in our lives. Let's cast God out. We cast him out of school. We cast him out of the government. We cast him out of so many things. But he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. And this is what we see throughout the book of Revelation, the judgments that come upon those that are not written in the Lamb's book of life. The scripture says, I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, you are my son, referring to Jesus. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. This is what we're waiting for. When we read Revelation, the tail end of it, we're waiting for Jesus, for the saints in heaven and the angels to say, 
the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and our Christ. When he comes back to rule and reign here on earth, Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You should pray for this. You shall break them with a rod of iron, referring to Jesus. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings, written for rulers. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun. And that picture is like a dog licking, licking its master. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. When his wrath is kindled, but a little, he says, but a little. How powerful and mighty is our God. But blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Again, which, which side do you want to Revelation 11:15, when God's wrath is poured out upon those whose names are not written in the book of life, his wrath. It says that the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. See, we don't have to fear what will come, what's happening, because we have living hope. We really have a living hope. If our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, we have a living hope. Even if they lock us up, kill us, whatever they do to us, Jesus is going to reign forever and ever. Heaven and earth will pass away, he said, but his word will endure forever. I love that hymn, Onward Christian Soldier, the words to that. The body they may kill, God's truth abides still. Look, we're here today with all these evil rumors that rose up from the time of Nimrod to different ones that we see throughout the scripture that the scripture prophesied about. Scripture prophesied about many of these rulers. Daniel, read the book of Daniel. The, the Greek and the Persians and just the Romans. I mean, there were so many kingdoms that I've shared this before in teaching. When we went to Israel, they, they're laying in ruins. You see, man's kingdom always comes down into ruins, lays in ruins. 
and you just realize, God, your word is true. And what you say you do, and no matter what they try, our kingdom will always come down, but not yours. Your kingdom is forever. Your kingdom endures forever. So we don't have to fear if we know Christ. Yes. Because we are his. And we belong to his kingdom. And we'll be with him for all of eternity. This is like a vapor. And the older you get, you see how much a vapor it really is. It's a vapor. It's all passing away. It's passing away. And we wait for this day where we can say it and pray it. We should be praying it. Lord, I want the kingdoms of this world to become yours. I want you to receive your inheritance. I want you to rule and reign in righteousness and holiness. And I want to be a part of that kingdom, not this kingdom here that's evil, wicked, depraved, totally depraved. It's horrible what they're doing now with the kids in the school. It's horrible what they're doing. And we got to speak out on it. We have to. This is not the time to be silent about these things. We have to expose the darkness, the evil for what it is. It's straight from the pit of hell. Because like what we saw there in Isaiah, Satan said, I will, I will, I will. This is just a battle between Satan trying to be king and he's deceived. He's deceived. He really thinks he can take over. Talking about deception. But you know what strikes me when I look at the Tower of Babel, because remember, the Tower of Babel is where God, they all spoke one language, right? But he confused their languages. And we know this happened, but then for the young girls, we know this happened because of all the different languages <laughs> that we have. Is evidence, it's proof that this really happened. But do you know when I read that, I'm reminded of what happened in the upper room on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. Ten days after Jesus ascended into heaven, a great linguistic miracle occurred. There were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. Did you get that? Every nation under heaven. And they were each one hearing the apostles speak in their own language. Not just Greek, but over a dozen other languages are listed in that chapter. Here was Babel in reverse in one sense. In the days of Peleg, the earth was divided. This is back in the day of Nimrod. But in the days of the apostles, 
thousands of people from many lands were united for many months, continuing with one mind, and continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. And God had a people that were yielded and submitted to him. He got a hold of their tongue to speak the word of God in boldness at a time where there was great persecution. But they spoke that word of God with boldness, not fearing what man will do. They thought it was an honor to be arrested and thrown in prison. If you remember the apostles said that. And I heard a pastor say not too long ago, if you're being persecuted for righteousness sake, now, during this time when you speak out against these things or try to confront sin in the church, wear it as a badge of honor. Wear it as a badge of honor. It's all a matter of perspective. I pray that we would be a people, as ladies, who the world is not worthy of. Just like the heroes of faith. Again, you don't have to be afraid. I heard someone else say prophecy is not there to scare us, it's there to prepare us to prepare us of what's coming. And when we hear the Spirit speaking to us through the Word, and we can see God in everything that's happening, we can see His hands in everything, then you'll realize, wow, Jesus, this is you. This is you. You're allowing this. You, you're allowing this to happen because you're about to set up your greatness. Some things have to happen though first before that happens. But just like we know these things are true, because there's evidence of what we read in Genesis 10 and 11, we could trust everything else he said that is going to come and happen is true. And again, we need to look at every day whose side do I want to be on. In the midst of this battle between good and evil, literally, it's a battle between good and evil, powers and principalities and rules of darkness. Satan is just taking these people captive to do his will. And as amazing as God is, he doesn't decide that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. So you can think about the most ungodly person you think of that might be a ruler or a judge or a king in this time. God loves them. Yes, I know. It is amazing. But he loved us. And the devil had us. The devil had us. I know he had me. He had me. And God rescued us. He rescued us. So 
So now you can see why we could just do Genesis 10. <laughs> it really needed to be done together. But as I was reading and studying and praying, it just all these things were just coming to me. And then I listened to someone, it was just like a confirmation of all this. And I knew I had to share it. So you see, Genesis is pretty heavy. <laughs> it's a pretty heavy book. And because the men aren't finished with their book yet, we're going to get to do a few more weeks in Genesis. So we'll be able to look at Abraham and Lot, which are two wonderful, wonderful stories. I mean, I hold on to Abraham's prayer for his unsaved nephew that was intermingling in the middle of Sodom and Gomorrah. And God had mercy. God had mercy. So I'm going to ask Jesse to close this in prayer.